Scouting out of the blue corner. He gives you your football meat and potatoes style and is the undisputed king of detailed player analysis. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Steve the Scout. Hey guys, this is Steve the Scout. I am the voice of the Pro Football Scouting Podcast. Today is Monday, December 17th. Happy holidays to you guys. Excited to bring you another week of bold takeaways from the writers at pigskinnut.com as well as myself. Uh, Pigskin Nut uh, is a is a website that you know uh, I put together uh, a few weeks ago, really a few months in the making. And uh, myself and a group of other writers, we've banded up and we've created a, a football news website where we give you coverage on all 32 NFL teams, uh, every, every major college football conference, as well as unique analysis around the league that you're not going to get anywhere else, as well as what we're really proud to be building up is going to be a directory uh, of player scouting reports and analysis, as well as giving you all the information on fantasy football. So the idea behind this site, the end goal is to be, you know, the one-stop shop for where you go for football information. Because look, uh, you can go to ESPN, Bleacher Report, NFL.com. They're all great sites, but they're all they're all missing something. Um, you know, it's sometimes you have to go to this site to find this thing and this site to find that. Us, I'm so proud to say that you get an individual coverage for all 32 teams, which you know we're working towards right now. In addition to that, you get a, again every every major college football conference coverage on that analysis, and really um, what I'm proud to say is going to be. Uh, you know, and I, I have full confidence in saying this, the number one place you go to for NFL draft information in due time. So uh, every week, myself and the writers, we get together, we, we, we put together our bold takeaways, something something we learned, something we learned from the game. So without any further ado, let's let's get to what our bold takeaways are this week. Um, so looking at at the first game, this the Thursday night game, between the Chiefs and the Chargers, uh, Wes Kiefer, who's one of the one of the writers here at Pigskin Nut, Dot com. What he said is, you know, his bold takeaway. Remember, a bold takeaway is one sentence followed by a few supporting sentences. But uh, Chargers won that game 29-28. But the, the bold takeaway is that uh, the Chiefs' defense is still going to be their Achilles' heel, even if they have Eric Berry. That's what that's what Wes Kiefer says. Um, so he 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 writes for a few of our teams. He said against the Chargers on Thursday, um, the Chiefs would have had the game in hand, but there were just a lot of mental errors. Injuries and a few big plays given up at the wrong time, um, and and he said, went on to say that the Chargers were without several big offensive weapons. Uh, you know, yeah, they didn't have Melvin Gordon, but they still they still got you know they still beat um, one of the one of the best teams in the AFC. So so I'll chime in on that. Um, the Chiefs are very much what I talked about um, last week. There's a lot of defenses in the NFL right now that are one-trick ponies. They can rush the passer, but they can't do much else outside of that. And the Chiefs, Chiefs are really one of those teams. I think Steve Steven Nelson is a fine young cornerback, but um, you you look at you look at their their defense um, outside outside of the pass rush. I mean, you know, you take away those two pass rushers, it's probably the worst defense in the NFL. Um, so so I agree. You know, they have good players in the defense. D Ford's having a hell of a year. Justin Houston can still play. 
But at the end of the day, they still have holes in that defense and really is their Achilles heel. So I definitely uh, agree agree with him uh, on that one. So, um, you know, my, my my takeaway from from that Thursday night game is that there's really, you know, really Patrick Mahomes is probably the only quarterback in the NFL that can't, that can't be slowed down. I'm just not sure that right now there is a defense that can slow him down because if, even if you get him off schedule, it doesn't matter. He still, he still kills you. So, yeah, just unbelievable at this point. Yeah, I definitely think he deserves to be the MVP. So, uh, bold takeaway from the Patriots taking on the Steelers. So, uh, the Steelers won this game 17-10. to uh, I'll tell you what my bold takeaway is, is that the Steelers demonstrated a clear formula to beat Tom Brady that other teams can follow. Because look, um, w- what did Pittsburgh do? They show that you ca- if you can effectively double-team Gronk and have quality, edge ru- have quality edge rushers, you can make the Patriots' offense look very average. And that's what they did today. They, they had T.J. Watt, who is generating most of the pressure today, Bud Dupree was assisting, but T.J. Watt generated mo- most of the pressure. Um, the double teams on Gronk were effective, um, and that played a huge role in the Steelers being able to win that game today. Um, so, so me, you know, me, that's definitely, um, de- definitely, you know, <laughs> something that I see on that. And sorry, I'm just kind of getting off track. I'm looking for our next example or next bold takeaway. So it actually comes from from Robert Alexander. This is what I was looking for. Um, so Robert Robert says, and I got stuff from Robert and, and Wes on this as well. Robert Alexander, one of my one of my writers, actually writes for the Dallas Cowboys, the Big D beatdown. He says that in the game t- today between Pittsburgh and New England, that Jalen Samuels made the case that he still deserves substantial playing time when James Conner returns from injury. Now, if you don't know who Jalen Samuels is, I'm just going to chime in for a second. Uh, this guy was arguably the most versatile player in all of college football. Swiss Army knife. The guy, the guy literally played almost every single could play almost every single position on the offense, and that's not that much of an exaggeration. He really does everything. Uh, he's he's just a great football player um, who is kind of a tweener, which means that. Um, you know, you're not really, you know, you're not really the proper size for one position, not the proper size for another position, and just you have a hard time determining what your role is going to be. And Jalen Samuels is that guy, but um, you know, he, you know, Robert went on to say that Jalen Samuels has shown that he can play running back, and that if you put him and Connor together, it can be one of the really one of the better one-two rushing combos in the in the NFL playoffs. So that's going to be interesting to see how Pittsburgh how Pittsburgh handles that. Uh, he said, you know, Robert went on to say that when the weather gets bad and cold and the passing attack isn't working, you're going to want the Steelers to have a dual threat with both running backs. So that that is a very interesting takeaway, and I definitely can see that. Uh, I saw I saw Jalen Samuels play running back in college. I probably thought more than anything else that would be his most natural position. Uh, he lined up at other positions, wide receiver, tight end, but I definitely think um, you know, halfback is going to be going to be the place for him. So, not surprised that's the position he's played at. Um, I think there was some debate on where he'd be, but then again, that that is where he is. And hopefully, you know, for Pittsburgh's sake, it can help them down the line. And they can, like Robert said, have a dual threat. Wes Kiefer chimed in on this. He said the Steelers seemingly got lucky against an off Patriots team. That was his bold takeaway. What did he say to support it? He said, "Look." West went on to say that, that the defense for Pittsburgh, it's been rough the last few weeks. Um, but the defense, you know, they really stepped up against their rival, the Patriots, but their defense hasn't always been stepping up. 
the Brady-led offense was held to 10 points, and it really came down to a last-minute drive to try to, to try to send it to overtime. West went on to say the Pats aren't a bad team, but they had a bad game. And there were, there were several key drops by the receivers. The Pittsburgh defense only sacked Brady once towards the end of the game, but they did have great coverage for most of the game. However, West went on to say that there was blown coverage on the touchdown pass to Piss Hope to Chris Hogan. There was a lot of mental errors. So I think you know what he's essentially trying to say. Pretty obvious here is that um, let's let's not overhype the Steelers because the Patriots had a bad game. So 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 like like those takeaways, guys. I'm going to move on now to the Dallas Cowboys game. Uh, Dallas took on the Indianapolis Colts. Both takeaway come, comes from Josh Davis. Uh, so Josh went on to say that after the Colts beat the Cowboys 23 to nothing, that Frank Wright has to be considered one of the best coaches in the game. Last year he was the offensive he was the offensive coordinator in Philly. Look what happened to them. They won a Super Bowl. And his offense didn't didn't miss enough to lose to lose important games when the starting quarterback went down. That that's you know, and I'll chime in, that's definitely something that has to be looked at. That Frank Frank Wright was the offensive coordinator last year when Nick Foles stepped in, and that offense was still functioning at a very high level and beat teams that you could say on paper definitely had better offenses. So, um, with that with that being said, you know, looking at what he's done, you know, with guys like Eric Ebron and, and you know just the re- the resurgence of Andrew Luck, you got to get you got to give him a lot of credit. But Josh goes on to say, look, um, you know, he's the head coach this year in Indy. It's his first year. And he, he got them to find a running game. Andrew Luck and the Colts are 180 degrees from where they were last year, although Luck hardly played. Um, when the he said he said when Andrew Luck isn't isn't having his best game, he still finds other facets to step up. Marlon Mack had 139 yards on two touchdowns and 27 carries. So his point in saying that Josh's point is not just not to talk about the stats. But to say that, hey, even if Andrew Luck is not in his best, he will still get that offense going. And you gotta admit that he has certain he has certainly done that. Hunter Marchetto chimed in on, on this game and he said that we can't hang our hat on Dallas. And when you when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, I think the Dallas Cowboys were slowly starting to fall into that Chicago Bears category. Like, hmm, maybe this team's defense is good enough where they can actually go far in the playoffs and, and be, you know, a team that late in the year starts making their case to be a sleeper. Um, so I think Dallas was starting to go in that direction. But Hunter's saying we can't hang our hat on Dallas just yet. He said last week, Hunter said last week we found out what Dallas can do against an absolutely decimated secondary. And this week we found out what they look like matched up against a playoff caliber team. With the exception of New Orleans, their other seven wins are against teams that are that are that are almost, you know, that are under five that are under five hundred teams, not not quality teams. He said when you look at look at what they what they've competed against, um, the quality for Dallas is halfway decent, but they're but they've been facing a paralyzed Philly team, a disorganized Washington team with injuries, and a fourth place New York Giants team that doesn't have a whole lot of talent outside of Barkley and Beckham. Um, so he he goes on to say that Dallas is still. What they have been for the last twenty years, as advertised, and that is, and that is average. All right, folks. Now, a word from our sponsor. All right, and getting to our Saturday night game. Well, one of the Saturday night games, the Cleveland Browns beat the Denver Broncos seventeen to sixteen. 
Patrick Chiodi, who who writes who writes for the Denver Broncos, went on to say, and that is called the Orange Crush Chronicle on our website. He went on to say that Vance Joseph yet again shows why he needs to go. He said with the loss to the Browns, Vance Joseph's record as Denver's head coach now moves to eleven and nine. Josh McDaniels went eleven and seventeen and was let go with worse talent at that. He, he said he said all season long Vance has shown his ineptitude when it comes to making crucial decisions and pushes for the wrong way to play his players. It's about time to make a change in the Mile High City. Another takeaway that Patrick had, um, and and I think um, it's it's somewhat of a takeaway for, from today's game, not really, but um, Von Miller, you know, was productive, but he goes on to say that. Von Miller will end up being the most prolific pass rusher of all time. And he get, and he gives some, some information to back that up. He says, there is a stat shown that, that shows that Chris Long has led the NFL in QB hurry since 2008. Von Miller was second on that list. The only problem is Von Miller wasn't drafted until 2011. He has passed Simon Fletcher for the all-time sack lead in Broncos history, and he's now two sacks away from getting to 100. That's a, that's a, that's a lot considering he's only been in the league since 2011. He said Bruce Smith played until he was 40 years old with 200 sacks in 19 seasons. Vaughn is only is only in his eighth season and shows no signs of slowing down. Frank Torchia, he had a bold takeaway from this game. Frank actually writes for the Blue Crew, but he gave his for the New York Giants, but he gave his takeaway here. Frank went on to say that the Browns should retain Greg Williams. And this is something that I'm going to talk about a lot is that there's definitely been a trend this year where we're seeing when coaches are getting let go midseason, the team the team is playing with playing with inspiration and looking a lot more fresh. But he goes on to say the Browns should retain Greg Williams. He said among the vast improvements from Hugh Jackson's three and thirty six and one record uh, to Greg and Williams' four and two record is the prime. It's the primary reason why he why he can't leave because he said he said right now. Um, you got you got to look at who the, who the head figure is that has led them to success so early in the careers of young players. So uh, I may have not read that very well, but I, I will uh, restate that. What he's saying is that um, there are, there are young players in the, in that in that Browns locker room that are looking for a leader right now, and you know who young players will cling to um, as a leader. They're they're going to cling to whoever's showing them how to win. Early, earlier in, in their career, you don't you don't fix you don't you don't try to fix what is not broken. Looking looking at Greg Williams, he's been four and two, but it, but Frank also goes on to say his leadership is so understated in a rookie's development, and to have a revolving door of coaches kills the development kills the developmental process. Nobody wants to play for a coach they don't care about. Ask Aaron Rodgers. Retain Greg Williams, maintain strong team unity to ensure unhibited growth in that young players and those young players in the Cleveland Browns locker room. Like it, Frank. Good stuff there. So, Frank, Patrick, thanks for your bold takeaways. Now, I'm going to give you my bold takeaway from the other Saturday night game, which was the Houston Texans versus the New York Jets. Houston Texans won that game 29 to 22. And look, uh, I'll tell you what I feel is that, look, the Jets. The Jets need a lot of help, but you drafted Sam Darnold. You have you have to get another weapon for him. 
Robbie Anderson was spectacular on Saturday night. He can be a really good number two option, but you're not going to develop this kid unless you get him a true number one receiver. He he really he really needs that. Uh, when you when you look when you look at Houston having DeAndre Hopkins, that would that was the difference. I would say if DeAndre Hopkins was was playing on the Jets side of that game, the Jets may have won that game. He really he really needs to have a number one guy. Not to say you can find a DeAndre Hopkins every year in the NFL draft because look, he's arguably the best receiver in the game. But um, you know. A, a young a young quarterback especially a guy that you know is still have still having a lot of issues reading coverages has a lot of growing up to do uh in ter- in terms terms of understanding the game getting it to slow down for him um i think i think he'll get there but he really he really needs a number one target to throw to um take takeaway f- for the Houston Texans is that the players that are playing at an at an optimal level the players that Houston needs to play at an optimal level certainly are you look at Deshaun Watson, you look you look at DeAndre Hopkins, you look at J.J. Watt, you look at Jadavion Clowney. Those guys are pl- are playing a great brand of football right now, and when, and for the Houston Texans, they need those players to step up going into the playoffs. Good timing for that team. So next game, moving on to bold takeaways was Minnesota taking on the Dolphins. Vikings won that game forty-one to seventeen, and I'm going to say don't look too much into this victory. That's my bold takeaway, because I think when you look at the Vikings and you look at the Dolphins, I think both teams have really high-end stopgap quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, Brian Tannehill. I, I believe, I believe in terms of capability, um, they're 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 really they're really on the same level. Um, look, to win in this league, you need you need an elite QB. I get it. Nick Foles won last year, but look at look at the top teams this year. Look at the quality of quarterback play when you when you look at the year as an entirety from these top teams. It's proof that you really do need pretty much. Uh, in most nine out of ten cases, you need an elite QB to really be highly successful, be highly successful in this league, and make a make a run for a championship. So I, I gotta say, don't read too much, don't read too much in, 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 into the victory. Miami, Miami made made a lot of mistakes on defense, and another takeaway is that um, let's let's not overhype Minka Fitzpatrick because I know I know he had a he had a big interception today. But he he had a, he had a, he had a lot of bad plays outside of that. So I w- so I'm going to say at this point, Derwin James has certainly been the better safety. Um, and another another thing that you know uh, I'll talk about are my New York Giants because look takeaways from this game: Giants Giants lost to the Titans seventeen nothing. Um, my takeaway for Tennessee is that right now you got to start taking Derrick Henry for real. Um, we 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 knew we knew there was a lot of upside and a lot of promise with him coming out of college, but now he's really he's really put it together. And, and honestly, I thought I thought he would. I never I never thought Deion Lewis was to be the number one back for that long. I was really surprised Henry didn't get it going earlier, but uh, I just thought on his college tape he looked too good to, um, for, to 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 have the kind of success that he's had in the NFL. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that this is that that this has happened. I think. With his performances the last two weeks, we got to start taking him seriously now as a good all-purpose every every down running back. And to me, another bold takeaway I have from this game is that to me, this game solidified that the Giants are who we thought they were. Um, you look, you you look, you look at, at the Giants. They they had fundamental issues throughout this entire game. There was there was none there was none worse worse than the quarterback. This was probably Eli Manning's worst game of the year. 
Um, and what was unfortunate is that, you know, throughout the whole year, it's either been, you know, if he hasn't been playing well, it's usually been because the offensive line hasn't been protecting him. Um, even, even when he's had time, you know, he's, he's made, he's made some bad throws, but it seems like the last few weeks they started to give him more protection. He started to break out of some of those bad habits. And to me, you know, today he, he looked a little bit pedestrian again. What concerned me is that, you know, he was going against mostly his own defense today. And uh, a quarterback, as smart as he is and, you know, as seasoned as he is, should be able to pick apart the zone defense, I thought, better than what he was what he was able to. Uh, they, de- they definitely missed they definitely missed Odell, Odell Beckham. Uh, I get it. You know, right now, OBJ and Barkley are probably the Giants' two best players in the team. Uh, look, I would say I would say you can already make the case that it's the best it's the best wide receiver and the best running back they've ever had. I mean, can you tell me at any time there's been a running back better than Saquon Barkley or a wide receiver better better than? Odell Beckham Jr. It's pretty hard to say that. And the Giants have been around for a long time. But uh, another takeaway I have for the Giants is that their draft philosophy needs to be this. You know, they either have to A, get the quarterback that they want, or B, what what they need to do is they need to go best player available because, look, they they need they need a lot of help. Um, I I would say you maybe 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 they can forego getting getting a receiver. Um, but they still need additions on the offensive line. They cer- they certainly need they certainly need pass rushers. Landon Collins, their safety, probably won't be back next year. Janoris Jenkins is not in his prime, and they really could have used a game changing middle linebacker today. So that's why I think in the draft, if you know, outside of quarterback, you know, if, if they can get the guy they want, and, and I don't know who they're targeting, you know, they gotta they gotta look at going best player available just because uh, the team the team needs help in a lot of other areas. But I think. More than anything else, you cannot waste um, the good years of Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham. I think Eli Manning has never been an elite quarterback. Um, I think he's he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback, although I think he's close. Um, just me speaking objectively, I think when you give him a, I think when you give him good protection, he can really carve a team up. He is he is a good quarterback. But you know, uh, I don't I don't know if this has really been so much a drop in his play. It's just kind of. The quarterback that the Giants have always had, he's always been what I would say is a good quarterback, but he's been he's been inconsistent. Um, not not a guy that you know you can count on to get it done all the time. But um, a very a very a very good career and uh, taking nothing away from him. He's not a Hall of Famer, but to say to say that in my opinion, and I, this is just my opinion, to say that anyone is close to being a Hall of Famer at the quarterback quarterback position is still a huge compliment. Eagles at the Rams. Um, Look, Rams Rams lost this game, and, and my my biggest bold takeaway is that Jared Goff is is officially in a in a cold streak. You look you you go back and look at the game against the Kansas City Chiefs earlier this year, some of Goff's early games. I don't know if I I don't know if I was watching a quarterback in the NFL put put the ball on the money as well as well as he was. I mean, go back and look at the Chiefs game. Some of the throws he was making, the accuracy of those throws were ridiculous. But he's really been off kilter a lot lately. He was. He was tonight, and if he does not get out of this cold streak, I think the Rams are not going to go very far in the playoffs because I know that they're they're going to get a buy and everything, but they or, or they're, they're, there's a good chance they will. But look, they really um, Jared Goff if he does not get out of this cold streak, and he's just been off track lately. Um, the the you know the Rams season could be in real trouble, um, and I think a takeaway I have for the Eagles is that. Nick Foles is going into free agency, and the Philadelphia Eagles may want to think about overpaying him 
because Carson Wentz's health is becoming a continual concern. Uh, he's going to probably continue. Nick Foles, if he stays there, because of Wentz's health, it's likely he's going to get more playing time. He already knows he's in a system that works with Doug Peterson. Um, Doug Peterson has shown he, kn- he knows how to get the most out of him, and I think that's what Nick Foles wants. He's already won a Super Bowl there. I think Nick Foles goes to another team. I think he's going to be nothing more than a stopgap quarterback. At least he has some more purpose staying there in in Philadelphia. Looking looking at a um, another another ta- another takeaway we have is from the Ravens Buccaneers game, and that is that the Ravens are going to need a thrower in in the postseason if they want to capitalize on their number one ranked defense. Uh, this comes from Frank Torchia, who 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 writes for the Blue Crew again. But look, um, Frank said. It's not to take anything away from Lamar Jackson's play, but Frank says that Lamar is just too one-dimensional to be successful in the postseason. He's averaging 17.2 runs a game, uh, and a, and a run-first QB who cannot make contested or necessary throws. Postseason aspirations have to be tempered. Flacco should not be counted out, despite what his future may may hold in Baltimore. Frank, that's a great takeaway. I love it because I agree. Joe Flacco's already won you a Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry, but that 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 has to weigh a lot. And Lamar Jackson, he still needs a lot of time to develop. A lot of time to develop. Um, if he's if he's going to be anything close to what Michael Vick was a, as just an overall quarterback, he's going he's he's going to he's going to need a few seasons. I don't think he's the I, I know he's about as fast as Michael Vick, but I think when you look at their play speed, I still think Michael Vick is, is a good deal faster. But Lamar, you know, this this formula right now is not going to be sustained in the playoffs. It's not going to help you get victory, so I agree with that. I uh, did want to go back to another one of Frank's takeaways, uh, and, th- and this kind of goes back to what I was saying before, is that um, team, teams are responding when you're changing their coaches in the middle of the season. Uh, Frank went on to say that, you know, looking at the Vikings-Dolphins game, this this, this, is, this is pretty good evidence that John Filippo should have been fired after the loss to New England. He says, he says in the first game without their offensive coordinator, they were, they were able to, to unlock their run game from the shackles of poor play calling, and, get, and Dalvin Cook had his highest rushing attempts all year, 19 carries, and he ran, for, and he took those 19 carries for 136 yards and two scores. Look, you can't you you can't you can't, you cannot argue if players are playing better uh, when they're when with these coaching changes. So yeah, I agree. Good good stuff there. Uh, last couple of games I'll comment on uh, the 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 Lions and the Bills. Uh, my takeaway for that is that Kenny Galladay has to be right now the best wide receiver I've seen Detroit have since Calvin Johnson. I know Golden Tate was a good wide receiver, but uh, I haven't seen anyone be able to make these. Continually, continually make these contested catches uh, and really dominate guys in these contested catches the way Kenny Galladay has been doing it. Great, great strength catching the football that continued today. He's really been a huge um, part of the reason that Detroit. I mean, he's helped them win more games this year. I mean, they're not they're not a top team, but um, he's helped them win more games than they probably should have. So. Um, Bills, uh, Bills, Bills won that one today, fourteen to thirteen. And a takeaway I have is that uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm definitely look, I am definitely not gonna be riding the Josh Allen train before the NFL draft. I was critical because I felt that he didn't have a number of other tools in his tool belt uh, to make to help him be a really good quarterback at this level. But when I looked at him, when I looked at his play today, my, my takeaway is is that. I should I should really fairly give him give him more time because 
He made he made a number he made a number of good throws today. Um, he's 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 certainly a great athlete. There's not taking not taking that away from him. You look at all the quarterbacks in the draft. When you want to look at arm talent, size, being able to move, I don't know if there is really a prospect as good as him. But my issues with Josh Allen is that he lacked ac- accuracy, lacked anticipation, and I still think to a degree he is he is lacking both of those things. But his accuracy um, today it was it was it was better better than usual. Um, but look, his his athletic ability has helped them win games this year. So uh, my takeaway is that let's give Josh Allen some more time to see if he can get better. My concern is that you just don't see accuracy get fixed at the at the next level, especially if mechanics are not an issue. And I don't think he has any really serious mechanical issues. But um, with with the with the way the way Josh Allen plays, he could be another Cam Newton, where um, he's not going to be accurate at all times, but his athletic ability and arm is going to help is going to help you get the job done. But of course, Josh Allen, I'll tell you, has a much stronger arm than, than Cam Newton does. But uh, you know, starting starting to remind me of him a little bit. So, uh, last last takeaway I have from the last game is Green Bay going against the Bears, and my takeaway for Chicago is that this entirely rests now on Mitch Trubisky's shoulders because I think it's been proven the defense is probably not going to fail them. It's not going to fail them the Bears in the postseason. So it's really on Trubisky. Trubisky has shown me a lot of a lot of good stuff on his tape last year, but this year he's looked good, but he still struggled a lot of times I've seen with accuracy. If his if his accuracy is good and Trubisky can play good football in the playoffs, I th- I think the Bears have a chance, and it really all rests on his shoulders right now. Because I'll tell you what, you put Patrick Mahomes or you put Andrew Luck on the Bears, they would they would be my pick to win it all this year. So, really, t- you know, with with that being said, that really makes it to me that it really comes down to how well does does Trubisky play because his defense will come through for you, but how will the quarterback play? My other takeaway is Green Bay needs to get a pass rusher. You you look at Chicago getting after Aaron Rodgers. You look at the way Green Bay tried to get after, try to get after Mitch Trubisky. It was vastly different, thus proving that they really do need to get to get some pass rushers there. Um, Kyle Fackrell, um, he's he's up about ten sacks right now, but they just don't have a legitimate pass rush. Something they're gonna have to work on and address in the offseason. And that wraps up everything for today. This is Steve the Scout with the Pro Football Scouting Podcast. Follow me on Twitter, Steve the Scout eighty one. Pro Football Scouting Podcast on Facebook and excited to say that pigskinnut.com is now live for those that are crazy about football. Go there, check out the news from my writers. This is Steve the Scout with the Pro Football Scouting Podcast, signing off.